Holly G with the Golf Insiders as we move into the final week of the PGA Tour season. Then we move into the playoffs. And to break it all down for us, he's a guy that's been so busy this summer writing for PGATour.com, PGA.com, and Global Golf Post. The one, the only, Jeff Babineau. Hello, JB. Hello, Holly G. Happy Wednesday. Oh, my goodness. Well, uh, we were talking before we started that we feel like the golf world is more like as the world turns lately, <laughs> Babs. Uh, remember that great soap opera back in the day? Uh, just want to get your... Uh, your take on what's happening with this whole live golf situation. Yeah, it's been interesting for sure, right? It's been a storyline through the summer. I think players on both sides are a little weary of talking about where they are and why they're there. And, uh, you know, hopefully the playoffs will be a bit of a distraction the way that the live is in a bit of a distraction on the whole season. So, you know, here we are. We have news today with a lawsuit filed for – 11 live players wanting to play on the PGA Tour. Um, you know, in my mind, it's the tour they left to become employees of the live tour, which is their new home. So it's kind of questionable they want to be back. Uh, and But, you know, the words they keep using are they want to keep proving that the PGA Tour has been set up as a monopoly and that golf shouldn't be a monopoly, and, and that's what they'll – that's the point they're going to try and continue to fight. Yes, they're claiming they filed a lawsuit in the U.S. District Court of uh, California claiming the tour has violated antitrust laws. Now, sure, the tour has seen this coming for a while, and they have a pretty good crew of, uh, of lawyer types over there in Ponte Vedra, Babs. Yeah. Um, you know, there's always they been do. this question about you know, exercising their right as independent contractors and then these rules about playing in a competing promoter's events. So uh, right. how do you think this is going to play out? Who, who knows? I, mean, I don't know the law aspect of it. I mean, I just know the optics of it, right? I mean, the optics are these guys left the PGA Tour. You know, you are you're, you're an independent contractor to a point. I find that term always there's so many, so much of this involved with live that's like double speak, right? I mean, you're an independent contractor, kind of, right? You, but you know, in January or, or you know, it will be in January. As right now, with the wraparound season, you know, in September you have to play 15 events, so there's nothing independent about that. You get to choose where you're going to play. Uh, these guys talked about. Uh, having too many events and, and too big a schedule. So now they've gone to a rival league that is going to dictate what weeks you play. I don't see a lot of independence about that, as well as have other weeks they want you to play. And possibly, if you want to get world ranking points, you need to play on a whole different tour, on the Asian tour. So it's just, you know, these guys talking about playing less are now looking at a, a reality of playing more, uh, and it just it just spins you around and around, and, and where it ends, who knows? We just kind of keep watching. 
a memo from Commissioner Jay Monahan was sent to the players earlier today. It said, quote, it's an attempt to use the tour platform to promote themselves and to free ride on your benefits and efforts. To allow re-entry into our events compromises the tour and the comp competition to the detriment of our organization, our players, our partners, and our fans, which is why we intend to make our case clearly and vigorously. Right. Well, I mean, they've been telling these players for a year as the rumblings started. You know, Norman admitted last week he was ready to go back in February until Phil's comments came out with Alan Shipnuck and, and Alan's book, uh, you know, where Phil kind of blasted both sides, of, people on both sides of the fence. Um, they were ready to go earlier. And, and, but these guys knew a long time ago, if you were going to jump to this rival tour, this rival tour was going to have events in North America. That's a clear conflict. Uh, you, there were, you know, repercussions in, one of those would be you'd no longer be welcome on the PGA Tour. So, you know, guys suing to get back in, no one should have been surprised. They were told they weren't welcome anymore. Um, you know, all the benefits of being a PGA Tour member are for those who are playing exclusively or pretty exclusively the PGA Tour. So uh, it just seems like an empty lawsuit to me, but it's, you know, they, they – Certainly, the league folks have all kinds of money to burn on it. They don't mind going to court. They don't mind fighting these things. They don't mind staying in the limelight. So uh, the tour will just continue to dig in and fight it, and, and, you know, we'll see where it goes. Well, and they're certainly getting publicity, and the old yeah. adage is any publicity is good publicity. Yeah. Uh, certainly... Uh, this this story continues. And how about the news that Tiger Woods was offered yeah. in north of seven hundred million bats? Yeah, Greg Norman admitted that. He said it was before his tenure as commissioner, but he said seven hundred to eight hundred million dollars was in the ballpark. Uh, that's quite a sum, quite a sum of money, even as much as Tiger has. That's that almost doubles your uh, your wealth, you know, when we talk generational wealth. So pretty interesting. I mean, it just shows you this is a – you're competing against a blank checkbook. Uh, there's no real business end game for the live, at least none that they've expanded upon on the business side, right? All this money is going out. Not a whole lot of money is coming in. Um, so maybe there's some business plan there team aspect or, or something down the road, but it seems awfully hard. You know, we know the landscape of golf and the hundreds of millions going out the door would seem pretty hard to recoup uh, on any business front. Well, I heard the merchandise tent at Bedminster was about the size of a 10 by 10 booth at the PGA show. So, um, you better hurry. You're going to get your majestic shirt. shirt. That's right. That's right. It'll be, uh, they're, they will be heading to Boston, uh, your home neighborhood, uh, yeah. coming down the stretch here. And interestingly, is that it's hard to believe that, you know, metropolitan New York, Boston, uh, you know, Chicago or without events on the tour. Yeah, I agree. I, I think those are big gaps in the tour schedule. Um, 
I, I went to all the, uh, the old Deutsche Bank events in Boston. They owned the Labor Day day with the Monday finish, and it was a it was fantastic. It was a great event, it really was. And uh, I'm sure that hurt Jay Monahan. He was the tournament director there. I'm sure it hurt him personally to take an event out of the air each year. Um, you know, they were then going to go to a rotating thing. Olympia Fields is back on the schedule next year where you, uh, you know, as part of the playoffs. But those are those are big markets not to have tour golf. I agree. Um, you know, maybe those should be the playoff venues or, or work some kind of rotation like that. But Yeah, Philadelphia, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh. Yeah, New York, Philly, um, yeah, it's a – that's a big gap out there for the tour, and, and those are big uh, affluent areas, sponsorship areas, and big golf areas. You talk so, about talk about growing the game. Yeah, well, I guess they're growing it elsewhere, but uh, yeah, to your point, it's uh, those those are big markets. It seems like there's a big gap there. So the Wyndham Championship, a popular uh, stop in Greensboro, North Carolina. Uh, that begins uh, Thursday. Uh, this is, uh, you know, the the, the last uh, hurrah to position for the playoffs. Uh, defending champ Kevin Kisner, and curious too, your thoughts on uh, Tony Finau starting to catch fire at the right time here, coming into the playoffs. Yeah, it's been good. I mean, I'm a big fan of Tony Finau. I mean, there's not too many folks out there that don't really think unbelievably high of him. He's always had this talent. You know, he had that one win in Puerto Rico, I think, at 15, and went years before winning last last year, I guess, in New York. Um, And and just too much talent not to win more. So to do it back-to-back, you get the putter going, he's got the confidence going. You know, we get a little more swagger going. I, mean, I think this is a kid who really believes in his talents and himself and was really disappointed he didn't get across the, the finish line more than he did. So hopefully this will be a big uh, catapult for him, big big launch pad where he can start becoming a more prominent guy in the majors, things like that. You know, when he won, you heard about what it did in the FedEx Cup standings, what it did putting him on a President's Cup team in all likelihood, what it did in the world rankings, you know, moving him, solidifying him in that top ten. And when Henrik Stenson won on the other tour, uh, you heard about the money he won. So, I mean, I think at the, at the crux of things, that's where we are, right? I mean, you talked all about the things that Tony did when he went back-to-back. And on the other side, you talked about how much money a player won, which certainly is eye-opening. But once you get beyond that sentence, I don't know what the next one is. We have uh, an interesting FedEx Cup board at the moment, and uh, some of the you know players who were hot earlier in the season, the likes of uh, Sam Burns, uh, who's in the top ten, we haven't heard too much about. We got the, the Camerons that have come into the top ten, Cameron Smith and Cameron Young. And speaking of that, how about Cameron Young? I mean, this guy. Uh, yeah. You know, clearly, I think getting rookie of the year, uh, just racking up top tens. Um, what a story. Yeah, and I, and I think I shared the story with you. I talked to his mom at the Masters, who was, you know, as Barb Jones, 
who ran many right. tours out of uh, backyard forever. Yes. Oh uh, yeah. I she, you know she reintroduced herself to me and I recognized her. I finally said, "Oh, Barb Jones." And I looked on her name badge and it says Barb Young, and that's Cameron's mom. And uh, so certainly a great golfing family. You have a dad is the head pro at Sleepy Hollow. Cameron grew up, played a lot. Of, they were at Orange Tree for a while. They're in our backyard. Uh, but grew up, you know, a real phenom in the New York area. You know, Barb was into golf. Her sister's a LPGA uh, teaching pro and PGA teaching pro. Um, so, yeah, so Central Florida Connections there, and, and that was kind of cool. And, he, he, you know, I mean, talking about knocking on the door, it's all the kid has done all year long. So uh, I, I talked to him at the end of the PGA. He said, one of these days I'm going to shoot five under on the back nine on Sunday and get it done. And at the uh, open at St. Andrews, he shot six under and didn't get it done. So, uh, you know, he's going to be there pretty soon. I think he could draw inspiration from watching a guy like Tony Finau and, and how it took a while. But once he got going, he's really getting going. Yeah, and, you know, we often talk about Will Zalatoris, who played at Wake right. Forest, but so did yeah. Cam Young, graduated in 2019, and uh, this guy's got a brain. He graduated in economics. There you go. Well, it's coming in handy these days. I mean, he's, he's, got, like he's, having a, work, he's making 600 grand, yeah. I think that could be a team we see in the President's Cup. Absolutely. The Wake Forest boys, right? Yeah. So. That could, be good. that could be some big fun. So uh, you mentioned the LPGA. They are playing their open championship across the pond, Babs, uh, over in Scotland, right? Yeah, it's Story Muirfield, right, which there was a day where women players weren't allowed out to play Muirfield. So now we're having an open championship there. You know, earlier this summer I was at the KPMG – PGA Championship at Congressional, and to a player that you talk to, it's just, I think it inspires the, the women players so much to play on these venues that have such great history, and now they're going to be part of that history, and I think that really, it's inspirational, it's motivational, uh, it means a lot, and we're going to see the women play a U.S. Women's Open at Pebble Beach, where playing an open championship at Nearfield, uh, Congressional. I mean, we have all these great, great venues with a lot of history. And now we're going to watch women's majors take place and become, you know, make that history even bigger. So that, that to me, grows the game. I think that's, you know, for a message for young girls uh, that are looking to get into golf and watching the LPGA and, and watching their heroes out there to watch them play on the greatest venues that this game knows have the best playing fields. I mean, I think that's tremendous. Yeah, and the purse for the Women's Open has been increased to $7.3 million, which is up 26% from last year. And um, the uh, RNA main man, Martin Slumber, said progress in prize funds needs to be commercially sustainable. This week is the showpiece of the RNA's commitment to women's golf, but it goes much further than just this one week. It's woven into all we do. So, um, you know, great stuff. And, and hats off to yeah. uh, also the AIG, which is uh, now uh, the sponsor. 
Right. I mean, I, I think, honestly, I think KPMG really pushed that when they elevated the women's, you know, PGA championship, the former LPGA championship. I mean, we watched the women's open step forward here in the U.S., uh, what, 10, 10 or $12 million purse this year? Right. Uh, at KPMG, the purse in a day went from, I think, four or five to nine. That was unbelievable. That was great. Here's another great increase. Uh, so again, it's, it means a lot. It's, um, yeah, I mean, it's, um, I, I don't know that it's perfectly level playing fields on the sponsorship front of what the dollars men attract versus the dollars women attract. But at these, uh, these events by governing bodies like the USGA and the RNA, um, the PGA of America, I mean, I think it's important that they, they show some equality there and really try to lift the women's game. And I think that's what we're seeing. And it represents progress, uh, you know, as as they continue to increase the prize money. And interestingly, the AIG Women's Open has been played uninterrupted the last three years during COVID. In 2020, there were no spectators. In 21, they partially returned. And now in 2022, it will be back to a normal championship week. So, uh, you know, hats off to... uh, to the whole, uh, to the whole tournament. It is big because if you remember, we lost the men's open in there in '20, so uh, they, they didn't have a men's British Open. Uh, Shane Lowry was the reigning champ from '19. He got the a little more time with that jug and put some of those fun uh, liquids he likes in there. Got an extra year. That's right. But, uh, yeah, but we played the women's uh, British Open, which is great, and and on we go. So you know. Another great event that's just building in history. So as we, we look to this week and weekend at the Wyndham, who's on your radar, Babs, that you know, really needs a good tournament? You know, who are you watching? Well, I mean, it's kind of interesting. A lot of these guys that are, seem to be around the bubble kind of have safety nets. You know, Stuart Sink, uh, you know, he won recent enough to still – be okay for next year and things like that. So uh, it'll always be interesting. It's always interesting that Chase for the, the 125. Now you have one fewer week in the playoffs. So if you you got to really make a move this week if you're aiming to get into that set, you know, that top 70. That's a big thought for a lot of these guys to get inside that second playoff event. And um, and yeah, there's always uh, you know I remember Charles Howell trying to get in the tour championship being a, a Georgia guy years ago and he said we're always chasing something so every player in that field is chasing something so um, you know, I think it's always interesting theater for sure the last regular season event of the year I like the idea of tightening it down to three events what about yeah you? I do too yeah well next year we'll start with just 70 next year right which I like right? right I mean just keeping your card shouldn't get you into the playoffs if you really having a true meaningful playoff. So I like the idea of starting 70, and, um, and that's going to be a big uh, line to cross next year. If you cross that, you're going to get yourself into some huge tournaments in 23, you know, one of them being Bay Hill right here in our backyard, $20 million, um, and some of those events that uh, you play for the big cash. Well, you got eight players that are – Within uh, the top five spots, Patrick Cantley still uh, 
still number one. Then you got Matt Fitzpatrick, Scotty Scheffler, Justin Thomas, all tied for second. And then Sam Burns, Rory McIlroy, and Willie Z uh, rounding out the uh, top five. And as we know, Babs, it's all it's all about getting that pole position, sort of like a, a NASCAR race. That's right. You got to position yourself. You got to play well at the right the right time, and you know that's where you mirror true playoffs, right? You kind of earn your spot. You earn your seed. You know, Scotty Scheffler, Sam Burns, those guys have had huge years. Cameron Smith, you earn that high ranking, and now you got to play well and and hopefully pull it off. And there's a nice big pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Indeed. Talk about life changing. Uh, it certainly will be at the end of August. Well, JB, we appreciate your time as always. You want to throw a dart and give me a pick for the Wyndham Sunday? I'll throw a dart. Let's see. I'll give you Keith Mitchell, the birdie machine out there. Mitchell. Whoa, I like it. I like that one. All right. Well, we'll see how that plays out. As always, my friend, great to spend time with you. Jeff Babineau, you can check out all of his columns. Everywhere in the dot com world. All right. Thanks, Holly G.